Hi everyone, uh, welcome to another one of our podcasts. Today is going to be a little bit different. Um, we are going to be speaking about a man who really impacted our lives so significantly from a distance. Mm. We're going to be speaking about Tim Keller. Um, and so I'm joined again with Kirst today and we're just excited to use this opportunity as a a moment for us just to pause and grieve mm. the life of just someone who was so special in our walks with the Lord. Yeah, hi everyone. It is really good to be here and it's interesting what death does. It takes the plan that we were going to have um, to bring to you today and throws it out the water. And I'm excited and also pensive and saddened to speak about this man. And what's interesting is... We feel like we knew him really, really well, but we actually only just knew his writings, his works, and his sermons. So um, I hope it encourages you today as we talk about who this man was. Yeah. So um, Tim, for those of you who don't know and maybe are listening for the first time, he was a pastor that was called by God to pastor uh, within the context of New York City. Um, and I'll speak a little bit more about that later. But, you know, just... New York is just a place filled with brilliant intellectuals mm. and it's a very intimidating place to be a pastor um, and it's just amazing how God placed him there and from that platform he just mm. spoke to so many people um, around the world. So I think let's dive into some of the, you know, I th- when I think about Tim and some of his qualities, the things that that I you know was that really struck me about him was just his humility. Uh, I loved, like sincerely, I loved and miss you know his humility. He was such a brilliant man, brilliant thinker, such a great intellectual, amazing teacher. But um, when he came to one of the churches we were pastoring at in South Africa, mm. and we got some time with him. Uh, even then and and through interviews and watching him online and you always got a sense that this man was just such a humble man Mm. you know and and you you got there was what you saw is what you got you know there was no fluff and and I really liked that um, about him I also um, I also liked that he served so faithfully to the end you know there were there were never any scandals around his life not that we know of maybe scandals come out in the future Mm. i highly doubt it Mm. but um it just revealed to me how as a wise teacher he actually walked with that very same wisdom you know there were just never scandals that we heard of that came out of the media particularly in a supercharged context like Mm. um like new york Mm. and you know finally i also loved that tim walked by faith you know, just hearing a little bit of his story, pastoring a small church and then being called by God to move into a major city um, and taking that step of faith. You know, the scriptures are clear without faith, we can't please God. And and he walked by faith. And I think that primarily the thing that undergirded his ministry mm-hmm. was that step to trust God and to minister in that context. You know, he I'm sure they were under significant work pressure they were under significant financial Fun. pressure. Yeah. They just had huge, huge uh, sacrifices that they had to make in order to establish a new work of God within that context. And and I I'm always struck, you know, at the backstory and and that always took my breath away. I, I was always so thankful that 
that you know Tim he walked the talk he mm. he, he read the Bible and walked by faith to minister to God and mm. I know it wasn't easy for him and and so those are some of the qualities that stuck out for me yeah those are really wonderful qualities about him that I can resonate with um yeah, maybe Ryan, tell us around the idea around your conversion um, or a second conversion as it was in your faith and your walk with the Lord through Tim. Yeah, so I grew up um, with what I would call a, a stony heart towards God. It was mm. dead and really wasn't interested and wanted nothing to do with God. And I would say a few prayers around significant sports fixtures. Um, and then in my university years, God pursued me and created this deep interest uh, in me wanting to get to know him mm. and things about him. And I, I sort of switched like as a one, you know, a 180 degree in terms of my hunger from not wanting anything to do with him to then sort of going off the wall. And, and I became very religious. You know, I, I read my Bible. I put verses all over my wall. <laughs> uh, I isolated and polarized my family and my mm. friends. Mm. Um and I had sort of been doing this for, I think, about just over a year, maybe a year to two years even. And we, you know, in that time, years ago, we had that iPod and yeah. you could download MP3s. Mm. And I remember um, uh, getting an MP3 uh, by a man, you know, of a man by the name of Tim Keller. Mm. And I listened, I, I put it on my iPod and I was walking uh, on holiday on the beach and I had it in my ears. And while I was walking, Tim started unpacking this idea that we not only are asked by God to repent of our sin, but also to repent from the good things that we do. Sure. And that left me lost at sea <laughs> because here I'd left in one sense a life of sin and that was my repentance. And now I was trying to just do good things and good works and clean up my act and all of that mm. stuff. And yet relationally, my life was falling apart, you know, because I came across as self-righteous and better than others and thought that I was more loved by God. And when I had heard this idea from Tim, uh, the penny dropped for the first time that I was neither made right by God through my awful deeds but I wasn't made right by God through my imperfect, imperfect good deeds. Yeah, sure. Um, and so I started putting that into practice and repenting of the things that I was doing to get closer to God. Yeah, like mm. looking after the poor or being moral or all of mm. those things. And I found my heart for the first time then strangely turning or transforming into this heart of flesh of love mm. and of relationship with jesus and actually needing his death because you know imagine saying god okay i can't get right with you through this in the avenue of treacherousness but i can get right with you through good works which means jesus come down from the cross i didn't need that yeah i can manage i've got this <laughs> yeah but to yeah. have to repent from those things yeah actually did have the transformative power and i began to realize oh god makes jesus makes us righteous through his death he clothes us with the righteousness outside of ourselves we don't need to try and put in the effort in order to be made right with god and mm. it just exploded in my heart wow man yeah, I think I resonate with that. I think one of Tim's most iconic kind of phrases or ideas that he carried right from the beginning and he almost 
spoke about it at every single sermon that he spoke about. I remember as a young varsity girl, just having become a Christian, listened to his sermons. But if you had to say, well, what was Tim Keller most known for? For me, it would be the idea that resonates with your conversion is this difference between religion and the gospel. Sure. And his big phrase was, you, if in religion, you obey to be accepted. So you do all of these things and mm. then you're going to be accepted mm. at whatever God or whatever idea, you know, that's floating around in the world. But the difference around the gospel and Jesus was that you are accepted therefore you obey and for me as a performance driven individual and also growing up in a place where you do things and then people love you it was absolutely earth shattering and I've carried that through my adulthood I carry it through my parenting I talk about it all the time and I'm just forever grateful for that idea from Tim yeah and that's that repenting from religion yeah and and having this huge sense of acceptance and and from that place like god what what can i do for you you actually you spoke about it the other day about the story about the truck in the shadow and mm. yeah i don't know i'd love yeah because i love that story yeah uh, it came out now um after his death but it was a sermon that he gave around a dad um and a, and a son were coming home from his wife's funeral and obviously the son's mom's funeral so massively heartbreaking moment and they're driving down and they've left the funeral and a truck is coming in the opposite direction. It's obviously quite a big truck. And the dad, a God-fearing man, looks at the son and says, son, look at this truck coming down the road. Would you rather get hit by the truck or the shadow? And the son's obviously quiet and he thinks it's a stupid question. He says, dad, obviously I want to get hit by the shadow. And he said, exactly, boy, like what's happened is that Jesus has been hit by the truck so that all we need to do is walk through the shadow. And that's just the idea around death and, you know, the gospel. And we, you know, we haven't died and there's nothing left and it's not painful. All we've got to do is walk through the shadow and we come out on the other side, thanks to Jesus' death on the cross. Yeah, it's like we're not hit by the wrath of God. We are hit by the love of God as we pass from this reality to the next. Yeah. You know, mm. I always find, I find that illustration quite, mm. um, sure. quite powerful. So, Chris, when we think about Tim's teachings, you know, and he taught a lot, and we've listened to billions of, you know, sermons. <laughs> Tim listened to all of, like, Martin Lloyd-Jones' sermons and then read all of C.S. Lewis, and then he kindly filtered out all the stuff, and we got the best of them. Yeah, and he put it in, like, really great pictures and words that we simple people can understand. Yeah, and so, but when I think about his teachings for us, I was just journeying with, you know, saying to the Lord, thank you for a couple of these ideas and the one was his book on marriage was transformative for us i mm. think we really enjoyed reading that together mm. but i love the one metaphor that i've always sat with is that marriage is like a garden and if you leave your marriage or you leave your garden too long you know weeds grow up and it just becomes a place of um, chaos and disorder and so his point was that you know a garden a beautiful garden consistently needs work. Yeah. You need to be watching for the weeds. You need yeah. to be watching where things are growing. You need mm. to be attentive. You need to mm. be sowing and mm. investing mm. through books, through conferences, through counseling, through friendships. Date nights. Date yep. nights. There's <laughs> all of those practical things, but consistently watering, praying and gardening and trusting that God is the one that actually makes a marriage grow and holds it together. Mm. You know, there's actually no effort humanly possible that can keep a marriage together. Sure. It is God's grace. And I just love that 
illustration and have thought a lot about that in our marriage and yeah. saying like where are their weeds and where do we need counseling and what do we need to pull out and what do we need to plant and mm. um yeah so such really a that. simple yet powerful image that you can walk through and walk with you know your whole marriage yeah um, really helpful and then I loved his book called Reason for God. I give it to a lot of people who are skeptical and don't want a relationship with God, of which I was one of them. Mm. I, I battled to understand all of it. It was a difficult read. But I think it summarized Tim's ministry where what he had the ability to do was to take an emotionally charged comment or conversation from atheists and he would deconstruct it and show at an intellectual level how it would fail or not work. Mm. So, like, for example a lot of people would say that there is no such thing as truth. And Tim would say that is a truth in, in and, and of itself. itself. Yeah. So if you say there's, I loved his one joke, there's no such thing as absolute truth, he would say, are you absolutely sure? <laughs> and and maybe the penny hasn't even dropped, but I, then you can just play this one back over and over because it's a huge penny. Like in a world that says that no one can, everyone can believe whatever they want, um, Tim would say that is a belief system if you say I have no faith that is faith in something you mm -hmm. know and so that caused me to ask the questions well if there is a truth what is the truth if I'm putting faith in something what am I putting faith in mm -hmm. you know there, there's no there, there's no it's nonsense to say you believe in nothing you know because that's an impossible statement to buy into and all the time on every topic, Tim had the ability to get me to like through this forest to the cliff edge and say, you can come no further, you know, now what, what decision do you make? Yeah. And that helped me understand the things that were swirling around in my head, in the culture, so that I wouldn't buy into false things. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. There was no fluff. Um, there was very little emotion and it was all reason and hence the title of his book reason for god yeah. he took you on a very practical very theoretical journey around you know just just deconstructing those arguments the so hot topics yeah just wonderful um we've spoken about it since he's passed but we ryan and i have decided that out of all the sermon series that tim has said or given in his many years of you know preaching and ministry his number one sermon series for us was the Practical Grace series. Yeah. Kick us off, Rai. Why do you think it is? Yeah, I think that there was a moment there. When I reflect on it, when, when I see what he did through the campuses and who listened to it, um, mm. like, I, I don't know. I think there was really something special about that series. There's, maybe it was just for us, maybe, you know. <laughs> but I don't think it was just for us. I think there really was a moment in his ministry there. But So go and Google Practical Grace series if you don't know what it is, and we hope you're blessed. But yeah. yeah. So there was a sermon series that we unpacked the typical 1 Corinthians 13 passage, love is patient, love is kind, blah, 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 quoted at every um, uh, wedding. Yeah. And, you know, I roll my eyes when that thing is on fridges and read, and he unpacked it. And he drew a very interesting application there saying that, you can be gifted uh, like, you know, the Hollywood musicians and stars we look at. They're very gifted, you know. The same thing in ministry. You can be used by God to change the lives of others and you can do great things. You know, you can have a huge church, huge ministry, huge influence, and you yourself may not be mm. regenerate or converted sure. or born again or a Christian, wow. ultimately. And... 
He says I, to look out for that. Be careful. Yeah, and I often, it, it causes me to tremble, and rightly so. It should cause me to tremble. You know, we, we've been in Christian ministry and to say like, Lord, are you using me, but am I not saved? Uh-huh. Like, does my life really, honestly, when I look in the mirror, is it characterized by the qualities of love that you call us to live out? Would my wife, would my parents, would my kids, would my friends say that? And honestly, often the answer is no. But I have an opportunity to repent mm. and sometimes fast and pray over it and really ask God for it because I do not want to be in that camp where I've been used mightily by God mm. and yet live with this heart that has been untransformed. Mm. And that was such a blessing. Um, you know, I don't want to be a noise, in other words. And, sure. and yeah, I love that sermon. Yeah. Yeah, for me, the the sermon in that series was around the one around unforgiveness. And as I said, I listened to this as a very new Christian, young, must have been 19 years old, and I can still remember it. And for mm-hmm. that, you know, you, there's something to be said, but I can feel the desk in, in my room, in my tiny little res room, and can see the computer that I was using, and just the speaker, I can be, I, I can take myself to that place. And he just spoke around this idea of unforgiveness. Mm. And one of the, it just struck me because he, he says, those who do not forgive become twisted themselves. Yeah. You know, and it actually sits with that person, not mm. the person who they feel wronged by. Yeah. But it's that person. I mean, it was so much more richer than that. But um, I've just, from that sermon, navigated unforgiveness so much, so differently. Yeah. 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 Sure. So when we look at this man's life, I think there are a few um, life lessons that we can just wrap up with and close. Um, I think something I learned from Tim is that I I don't think he was ever aware of his influence. No. You know, the surprising thing to me is having had the opportunity to go to a few places around the world to do ministry, from Bible studies to conferences to books that I've read, to um, the strangest places that are off the grid, rural areas, even in the country that we're from, someone would say the words, Tim Keller said, and would quote him. Mm. And I just think like, when Tim was preparing the sermon or writing the book, never in his wildest dreams would he have imagined that someone from Middle Earth or from the sticks would quote what he's about to say publicly. And... He was unaware of it. And I really, really, I I learned something there that I love, that we don't need to control our influence and that God can do things that are way beyond uh, what we can script for our lives or Mm. imagine. And that's a great thing to trust in, Mm. to trust in God for that. um, Yeah, love that. Is awesome. Um, I think the, the second thing is that it gives me hope for pastors or for people in public leadership. And he's an example in the midst of so many that have used their gifts and revealed that potentially they never were saved or converted. Sure. Um, you know, and and so many scandals and the media just gets hold of that and it just reinforces, even for maybe some listening here, it has rocked me so often. There's another story. Mm. This is why I don't believe in God. Yeah. Well, Tim at least is a story from what we know where we can say, no, God held this shepherd. God held this child. Wow. God held this pastor. Mm. God saw an authentic minister of God faithfully to the end. And if he can do it for him, 
He can do it for us. Mm. We can finish well. We can live wisely. God can show that grace, you know, mm. and it gives me hope for those that are in leadership, you know, to not throw it all down the toilet and wreck their marriages and wreck our marriage. And, you know, we yeah. can we can stay humble and stay grounded. And, yeah, and, and make it to the end. Yeah, and, yeah. and finish strong. So I, oh. I really love that. Um, I think I learned from Tim, you know, that the sacrifices that we make for God matter for God. And hmm. he made sacrifices. And now... Um, I love that quote, you know, God buries his messengers, but not his message. Oh, wow. And he's buried an amazing messenger, mm. you know, but his message will go on and all the sacrifices, all the praying on the floor, you yeah. know, in the middle of the night, all the tossing and turning, all the unclear preparation, God, what am I going to say? Yeah. All the wrestling, all the late, all of that stuff he blessed so many people with and you know, it counts for eternity and it does matter that we live for God and this life isn't forever and heaven is real and mm. I'm just thankful. I'm, I'm sobered up to be like, hey, you're not here forever. Build your life around the things that matter. Yeah. And he affirmed that on, on his deathbed, some of his, one of his last lines with his kids and his wife, they were obviously de devastated and sad and they can see him passing. And he looked at them and he said, nothing about me leaving is sad. Yeah. And what a line. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the other thing is that we need to be sensitive and thankful to gifting in the church, you know, and Tim was uniquely gifted mm. in his calling. And I always wanted to preach like him, be like him, walk like him, talk like him, you know. Um, and, and then I abandoned that. I never could, you know, but that's what you do when you're young in ministry. And just realizing that God gifts people uniquely mm. and we are all gifted differently and God will use all of us in our gifting to encourage other people. And he was a huge encouragement to God's bride. Yeah, um, He Wonderful. helped her think rightly, walk in a holy way within the midst of a minefield of honestly a world that is going crazy mm. in, in some of the ludicrous ideas that are coming out. Um, and the one thing that struck me is I read it somewhere that came out, you know, where Tim was never concerned about building a legacy. Yeah. And that struck me because particularly in, in ministry, people get you to sign up and subscribe to say, like, make a purpose play, you know, make a play for a legacy, like make your life count. And I'm looking at that more and more with skepticism and I'm listening to what came out of Tim. And I actually agree. It isn't about our legacy. You know, God must bury his messengers. We must remain nothing and small and he must become more. It's about his work and who he's reaching. And I, I like, you know, he said this comment, he said, I don't know if everyone will remember me, but I do hope that my grandchildren do. And I, I was really moved by that, like that for all of us that we are not here to live for God, for our legacy. We had to live for God sure. and we had to make God great and exalt him and for us to become less. Yeah. Um, and I think Tim did that. And the strange uh, subplot to that is I, I want to close with this verse in Hebrews 11 verse 4. Um, and, and the verse says, And by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Sure. And I do believe with all my heart that Tim will speak for generations to come, even though he's dead. 
and it's because he lived this life of faith. Yeah. Oh, I hope that this has encouraged you. I'm sorry if you don't know who Tim is, um, but my hope is that you would go and Google him because um, even though he's no longer on this earth, his works are still there, his sermons are there, his books are there to be bought. And do yourself a favor and go read what he has to say. Yeah, I, I have to get to the heart of this, but I have to say, Kirst, I miss him. Mm. I miss Tim Keller. But I'm very thankful to God for his life.